This is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues and ideas that shape our lives, with your guide, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Morning, Matt. Morning, Connell. Great to be back in the studio to record uh, another uh, episode of Thrive Perspectives. And uh, man, been some interesting stuff that keeps challenging my mind as we've journeyed through this so far. I can't remember what number we're up to, about 14 or 15, I think. But yeah. but today, we've covered a lot of the thinking around this, and now we're perhaps going to look at some of the application around it. Uh, listeners, strap in. Matt, I think you're going to kick us off yeah. by posing some questions gonna open, here that we want to think I'm going to open a bit of a Pandora's box, mm-hmm. uh, actually. Okay. <clears throat> let, 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 me, let me pose this from uh, a personal point of view, pose these questions from a personal point of view. So, and I, first of all, I want to open by evoking some of the ideas. Let's put some key ideas that we've discussed before on the table, right? Yeah, great. Uh, you know, one of those key ideas is the discussions we've had around the hum, human nature and human predicament, right? I think just to get clear on what we've agreed on, because there are some radical implications to some of this stuff, right? <laughs> so one of the things that, that we've uh, agreed on is that, you know, we, we've talked about uh, the the world system in a sense being – uh, irreparably broken in the sense that no human system is going to is going to fix this ultimately. We 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 don't believe, um, and certainly the Bible doesn't predict some kind of uh, sort of humanistic utopia. Right? It's that's not going to work yep. because the human condition is too broken for that. Uh, we've described as this sense, you know, it's like uh, we're building, you know, a civilization is built on on shaky foundations because human nature is fundamentally broken, right? And yep. human nature is going to break anything good that we make. And so, you know, th- there's this sort of undying belief in in these sort of utopias, you know, we'll, we'll make things better. And, and actually, that's problematic. And in fact, we see in scripture that the world system as such um, really uh, collapses in in the sense you know the the you know babylon the great in the book of revelation and this sense uh that things get worse in a kind of worldly political sense and and we see a collapse of the world system is why we're told not to love the world do not love the world you know all of that sort of stuff so there's that there's something irreparable about that but this is why we long for the return of Christ. It's not that we're, we, we get involved. We get even, uh, you know, we get involved in the issues and the things of, in our society and uh, because we want to be a redemptive presence. And we'll talk about that a little bit today. That's one of the things that yeah, we'll talk great. about. But being a redemptive presence, it doesn't mean that we can somehow create some kind of utopia. Uh, necessarily here we're looking forward to the return of Christ and, and the established you know the, the consummation of the kingdom and so forth so, so that's that's the first thing so we talked about that a little bit in a previous episode the other thing is about human nature and and understanding the difference between actually the core aspect of the human condition and moral problems that moral problems are the fruit on the end of a branch that goes down to a root that's fundamentally you know corrupted yeah. and and that you know we've described that as a kind of god complex you know uh, the, essentially the original temptation is is you know then you will be like god we're all you know it, the human condition is such that you know we have this propensity to want to be the gods of our own little worlds and um and so uh, you know, there's there's something fundamentally problematic about human beings. So, so even though, and the idea here is, is that we may differ in the way that morally, maybe our lifestyles or different, you know, they may be moral differences, but the real serious issue actually is something we have in common. Now, this is why you might go and do all sorts of moral, morally terrible things, 
perhaps, let's say, for argument's sake, even worse and be morally worse than me. But I can't judge you because actually we share in the same root condition. Uh, even though, of course, as a, you know, as Christians, mm. we understand that we're uh, declared righteous in in Jesus Christ, and and we are we're forgiven, and and you know we're in a we're in a state of of grace, and also that that you know we're given in a sense power over that sinful nature, and yet the sinful nature is still there. Mm, you know, yes. if we say we are without sins, is John to a Christian church uh, in his first letter in chapter one, if we say we are without sin, we deceive ourselves, mm. and the truth is not in us. So you know we we all share in this core. Uh, kind of corrupted nature, and this is why we can't. One person can't judge another. Mm-hmm. I think that's that. Those that those yeah, ideas, good. I think, uh, yeah, are good. fairly basic. The other thing that we've talked about is human identity and the sense in which we're all kind of interconnected. You can't, you know, uh, it has been a dysfunctional aspect uh, of our society that we've divided, fragmented ourselves off. We see human beings in terms of independent, autonomous units. You know, now there is a sense of that individualism that is legitimate and good uh, it's not all bad i mm. mean because mm. we, we we validate the individual and the rights of the individual and all of that there's mm. plenty that's good there but the individualism that is you know i'm you know it's the sort of autonomous individuals it's not quite the way that we're, we're made for to become a human family to be interconnected and you certainly see in scripture that there's a strong sense of that interconnectedness you know that what what i do it matters mm-hmm. for you it's not uh, and, mm-hmm. and what you do matters for me and so forth that's the other idea is that sense of interconnectedness yep. um so and then the myth of progress where we think we're somehow as you started by saying we're not going to be able yeah. to create this <laughs> utopia and yeah. right but the sense of somehow we're making the world better and in some ways we possibly are but we're also creating Creating different sets of problems, yeah. and and so the sense of we aren't ever going to be able to create, as you said right at the start, this yeah. perfect utopia. Yeah. Now, right. now, the the other thing that I want to get out of the way is that it's sometimes very difficult to talk about things mm-hmm. uh, like I'm, I'm going to talk about now, and for it not to be heard through a political lens. And this is unfortunate, actually, because it's actually quite a worldly way of thinking to jump from an issue immediately to politics, because. In, in a worldview where there's no spiritual aspect to anything, all there is is politics. We, we are, in fact, it was Karl Marx's view that everything is political. You know, we are the products of our political uh, environment, you know, of, of class struggles and, and so forth. So, but I fundamentally disagree with that. I do think politics is, you know, is important. I'm not saying it's not important, but I, I think it's an unfortunate view to think that everything, you know, every issue you know, when we look at an issue, you need to jump immediately to politics. Actually, I think that's part of the mm-hmm. problem is that we mm. keep trying to find political and because in, in many respects, the political situation is, I think, part of what's insoluble. You know, I, I've often described political solutions as like band-aids, you know, and band-aids are important, but they're band-aids over an infection that is a spiritual infection. Yeah, right. In human nature, it's a spiritual mm. infection. And so you need a spiritual solution. Political solutions are just a band-aid to enable a kind of some kind of ordered society, you know what I mean? And throughout, mm. you know, I mean, the Christian faith has existed within lots of different political systems and flourished under different political systems. And, and, and I'm also mindful of the fact that, you know, Jesus expressly taught that the kingdom of God wasn't going to be an imposing political force as such, that, you know, that, that, that this would be a, essentially a spiritual movement. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's you know an inside-out kind of process of transformation that he's looking at. So this is where I think actually, and even for churches, I think it's important for churches to remain politically neutral. 
now not politically disengaged and and we'll have a chat about mean? politics uh, you know in, in another episode uh, so the, when you say churches, just to be clear here, you're talking about essentially the church leadership taking yeah. a particular political stance. The people within the church will have oh yeah, that's right, yeah, obviously. Yeah. A, but but in terms of the leadership saying where are this or where are that, uh, is what yeah, you're cause, saying. Yeah, because because let's say <clears throat> let's say we could wish that everyone you know takes the political stance that we take. Well, then you have a you know you have abandoned yeah. the, the the Westminster system, which is the oppositional you know Total. government mm-hmm. thing, and you've you end up like China or something, yep. you know. Mm-hmm. So and it assumes so we that want, one side has all the right answers. Yeah, that's well, right. And and I don't think it. you know either. No one side of, of you know, and mm. politics is just way too complex for that. And as I said, it's like arguing over band aids. Now band aids are important, but I think uh, I think it's important that we don't alienate people based on politics um, because we are offering mm. a really deep, transformative, redemptive, spiritual solution to our human predicament. Mm. Uh, and I don't think we should alienate people from that based on things mm. that we might, you know, that we might declare politically. Yeah. Uh, that, that then precludes us from having a conversation about what actually really yeah, matters so, so for eternity. That's right. So let's <laughs> exactly say we, right. we, you know, uh, you know, as a, as a church, we decide, okay, we're going to support the left. Mm. That's we're going to, you know, that's well, we've just alienated everyone in our society. That in our you know, yeah. yeah, I just don't think that's uh, that's wise either. So. And look, the other reason why I tend not to like to comment a lot on politics is because I <laughs> it is so complex. Mm-hmm. I know there's some people out there think, oh, no, it's just simple. No, no. The more I uh, learn about politics, the more politics, the more insolubly complex I see mm. th- these, th- these things are. As I said, I want Christians to be engaged, uh, you know, in politics. Politics and, and both sides of politics. Let's. Mm, I'd love yeah. to see Christians yeah. permeating both sides of politics, right? Because totally. I, I think that's. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not talking about political disengagement. So anyway, I'm putting all of those things uh, up front because I want to ask a question, and I don't want <laughs> that to be heard as me doing uh, d- doing politics. Yeah, that's um, good. Uh, let me pose it this way. Uh, I, I recently read uh, and, and and a book I recommend actually, if you dare, because it's a large thousand page uh, book by uh, the actually linguist and Bible translator John Harris on the indigenous issue in, in Australia. Um, particularly, he writes he's writing about the interface between the Christian church and Christian missionaries and indigenous peoples. But in, in the course of telling that story, uh, he tells the story of colonialism uh, in Australia and the you know, atrocities that were committed you know, on this ground uh, against indigenous peoples. Sorry, now, Matt. What was the book called again? Uh, it's called One Blood. It's a very well researched book. He's he quotes from lots of primary sources. I appreciate that because I, I have this natural suspicion when when you, when there's a historical issue that's also a very hot button social issue. Mm-hmm. I feel suspicious of how much subjectivity gets uh, incorporated in, into yep. the you know yep. to the storytelling essentially but what i appreciate about his account is that yeah, lots of primary sources and uh, that's original letters and documents and and you know and i think he's realistic about there were a lot of mistakes that were made by missionaries and by christians in those early stages serious mistakes but there was also a lot of good that they mm. did uh, in in terms of fighting for the fundamental humanity of the indigenous peoples and and you know, uh, advocating for, you know, equality and these sorts of things uh, as well. So I think he gives a very realistic picture. But in the uh, in the course of this uh, of this story, he also, you know, you get a clear sense that 
terrible things, atrocities were committed uh, on this ground. And to use a biblical term, we, we live on blood-soaked soil in a sense. So, you know, the question that I have is to what extent is this my, should I take responsibility uh, for this? Now, I, I, straight away, I can feel lots of seething opinions. And, and I just, just let me ask that question. I, I mean, because I feel suspicious of approaches that are immediately defensive. I, to me, that's not healthy. I, I'm going to lean towards, in, in, a, in any situations like this, leaning toward responsibility and a willingness to take responsibility feels healthier to me than leaning out. And I'm not talking about mm. wallowing in guilt and, you know, I'm always suspicious of defensiveness and, oh, it's not my fault, it's not our fault, it's got nothing to do with it. Like, I find that, whoa, hang on, I just, I think we actually need to just lean into this. So, so it's, there's that issue. And, and, and I'm going to put this in a similar box as another uh, issue, of course, because I'm, uh, you know, my background is English-German background. My German side, there's a sense of um, connection also with issues there as well. I mean, my grandfather uh, had quite high rank in the in the uh, German army, you know, uh, Hitler's army in the Second World War. Uh, I don't know what uh, what he got up to. He never talked about it. I sensed, you know, again that makes me think well, why why you know that there was clearly there were clearly issues uh, for him around that. Again, I ask the question, you know, with that background, to what extent? Am I responsible for the sins of my fathers? And I'm just posing the question here. And I think it's a healthy question to ask. They're, they're different issues for me because while I have a direct, uh, like more of a direct connection to the, ger- to the issues you know, in, in, in Germany, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm a first generation Australian. But however, I do live and, and, and I benefit from this very wealthy country, very yep. well, resource-rich country, right? I, I, I directly benefit from that. Mm. To what extent do I take responsibility? Now, again, I'm not asking a political question mm-hmm. here. This is not – I'm asking a spiritual question here yep. because some of the defensiveness arises when people jump straight to, oh, that means that this, yep. all of these political solutions are the right way to go. Now, n- n- no, not necessarily. Yep. The, the the political dimension for this is is very very complex, yeah. and and it'd be great if we can talk to this the spiritual issue without jumping to that first. In fact, it may help uh, because I do think that there may be there may be political. Uh, well, let's say there are. I think there are political implications to some of this, but I don't think we can even really think about that until we. And this, I think, is the Christian approach. Yeah, until we deal with the. Spiritual implications. So I think, like going back to what you're talking about before too with politics, and politics isn't the solution. I think often when we talk about politics, we think of politics as being parliament, political parties, and and so on. And that's obviously a key part of it. And policy. Yeah, that's right. But all of politics is really trying to solve some problems. It's from a human perspective. So it's trying to answer the question, how do we solve solve the problems that, that are in front of us? And I think there's a practical application, as you yeah. say, in terms of what we're talking about here. Yeah. You know, we're never going to get to a point where not in this life, we're, we're all living under God, under the, the, yeah. the ultimate solution here is all of humanity be yeah. redeemed and we're all sort of living as we're intended to right at the beginning. So we're, we're never going to get there. So therefore, every solution, we've got to solve the problems that are in front of us. And I think whenever, whenever we try to, to solve problems, it always comes out of us from a humanity yeah. perspective. Yeah. 
the solutions kind of solve problems, but they also create problems yeah. in themselves. Yeah, that's a good this point. Is, yeah. This is the complexity that's there in, yeah. in, 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 in politics. Yeah. So whatever we come up with as political solutions, the things are always going to be fundamentally yeah, Because at flawed. the end of the day, human beings have got to implement those things. And, and human beings, we're going to make a mess out of anything. Yeah. You could give us the most ideal system and we are going to make a mess out of that's it. That's right. Because the problem essentially is a spiritual problem. But we all have views on how we should go about solving. Yeah. And this is all the different political ideologies as to how do we solve these problems that are in front of us. But I think as Christians, and this, and this is what I've been sort of wrestling with, trying to think about, well, where does politics fit in it? Does, do we go, well, we take politics and move it to the side. If we do that, then how do we solve the problems? You know, I'm always going to bring a lens to the whether you, you know, you could, if we talk about left and right and so on, different views and different paths we would take to solve those problems. I'm inevitably going to try to solve those problems yeah. through some particular lens. But I think if you're operating under a, a Christian worldview, it's not so much that we get rid of politics, but I think the solution to all the problems that are in front of us are multi-layered. So we've got yeah. political leanings, we've got life experience, you know, how we were brought up. Uh, and and so on. There's all these different lenses which we mm. try to solve the problems in front of us. But I think from a Christian worldview perspective, there's another lens that we add into how we view solving the problem. And I think it's the first lens yeah. that we view every solution yeah, that's to right. the problem. Yeah, so, so maybe to illustrate, you know, l let's say you have, uh, let's say you're suffering from a cancer that causes you not to be able to walk and also causes other various, you know, elements of pain, okay? So I, I give you crutches, okay, to help you walk, and I give you painkillers. And I think politics is a little bit like the crutches and the painkillers yeah. because, you know, in terms of society and, and our ability to live in, together as human beings. Uh, so crutches and the painkillers are really important because it enables us to keep functioning. Like we have to do something to keep functioning, right? We can argue about, you know, and some painkillers – you know, famously cause other sorts of side problems, and yep. we can argue about those issues. So that, that that's hmm. that's it's legitimate. But actually, we recognise as Christians that there is a a deeper problem, and and actually, what we want to do is get in and apply some some spiritual principles to the actual core problem, mm -hmm. um, and give us a measure of there's there's something that needs to be put to death within us mm -hmm. to put that. And it's, yes. I mean, the cancer. You know, metaphor kind of works. It has its limitations, yep. but it even works here in this sense because yep. there's yep. something within us that we need to to deal with. So, what what's the lens though? You are going <clears> to <throat> the, well. The lens. It comes back to this collective responsibility, and I think what we've been talking about in all the previous weeks and the previous episodes is actually a core problem is fundamental in our human nature. Almost, yeah. and this is the problem with politics. Everything we do, we kind of mess it up because mm. we're bringing all our agendas, yeah. for our need for power, our need to control other people, to get my way, and, 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 and so on. So we always mess these things up. But if we take this step back and go, actually, I think we're all as bad as each other. If we can actually look at things from through a lens that our fundamentally our human nature is yeah. is so corrupt, so broken, that almost everything that we do, everything we do is kind of stained to an extent from that sinful nature. Mm. That's a different lens that we have as a starting point that if you're not a Christian, you don't have access to that lens. Your first solution to the problem is to go to politics. I think as Christians, we need to go to a 
there's another yep. lens we need to go to first, which is yep. actually to view the fact that there is a collective responsibility. We're all as, as guilty as, as each other generally in mm. terms of our sinful nature. Yep. And when we think about it that way, if we say we see ourselves maybe as a victim in something, and I'm not diminishing yep. the, the significance of being a victim. People yep. are victim. I'm not mm. wa- sort of washing that yep. away. Yep. Mm. But there's a sense that if someone does something to me to hurt me, I've also hurt other people, you know, and I could take a reaction and say, well, look, you've done that. So therefore you're a bad person and I'm the good person. And then there's a sense of the bad person pointing the finger in judgment going, you're the bad people and and so on. And so there's all this finger pointing. There's always a victim. There's always a, a perpetrator in society. We're trying to polarize that. And everybody's trying to blame each other. But I think if we start with the Christian lens, it goes, we all actually are sinful. Yeah. We're all perpetrators. Deep, deeply yeah. sinful. Yeah. Yep. That all the things that are done to me, I've probably had a hand in doing to other people yep. to some extent. Mm. And therefore, there's a sense of, I need to forgive those who, who do, you know, that I, I would be quick to kind of judge and condemn for doing that. But then there's another sense that if you're the one that's pointing the finger and blaming other people, that you're then almost standing apart from the problem going, I would never do that. You're a bad person. I'm a good person. So let me, because I'm just, uh, I can feel the objections. Like I can feel the, uh, even from Christians who Mm. will say, oh man, like, you you know, we're meant to just like bear this guilt continually and, and, uh, and what about redemption yep. and and you know what like so so and and I think I think that's valid uh, but uh, let's maybe build that because I think at, at a base level I think hopefully to me I take it as fairly basic theology that we at the most serious level we share in the same human situation like there actually isn't. I can't say I'm better than you and, and you can't say, you know, so I, I think we get that part. Mm. One of the problems, of course, associated with this is that when confronted with with evil, then I feel that there are two likely responses. And this was my response to reading uh, to reading that book, because I sensed initially as I identified with the victims of these terrible atrocities, I started getting angry about, you know, how could people treat other people like mm. that? And I realized that uh, actually there's something unhealthy potentially brewing in me in that. This is uh, this tendency for me, as you say, to set myself off from them as though, well, I, if I were living back, I would never have been, you know. And I mean, I could say the same thing, you know, going back, you know, two generations into my family. If I was living in the 1930s, I would never have joined the army and accepted the, the mm-hmm. position. And, yep. you know, but really, I, I mean, man, that's... There's a lot of assumptions there mm-hmm. that really, given all the same circumstances, mm. same conditioning, cultural condition, all of that would really, would I be- And the same information, because we know a same lot information, more information that's right. post yeah. the event than we yeah, did pre right. the events. Like, yeah. I think we have a choice actually between setting myself off from those people mm-hmm. or actually the other alternative. And I don't think there's much in between being willing to identify with them. Actually, I share the fun, the same fundamental problem that led to these, these things. Yep. Now, I may not do the same things, mm-hmm. but it's the same 
fundamentally human issues that I actually participate in that, in, in a sense, in that, in that sort of base human nature. See, I think sometimes, and particularly in our culture, we tend to view issues like we're all standing up in a grandstand and there are good guys and bad guys and we're cheering on the good guys and booing the bad guys and we think we're the good guys because we're booing the bad guys. Mm-hmm. That's not actually how things are. There are no, there's not good guys and bad guys. Yeah. We actually all participate yeah. uh, in this same human nature. Now, the difference between people is not that there are good people and bad people. There are people who are repentant and uh, and who have received grace and forgiveness, and those who haven't. Yeah. You know, I mean, mm. it, that, that's that's how. You know, that's how the Bible sort of divides people. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but we also have the opportunity to receive forgiveness and be reconciled to God. Now, when I receive forgiveness and I'm reconciled to God, I don't immediately become perfect. I don't know if you've noticed this since you became a Christian, lads. We don't suddenly become perfect. I think if we're honest with ourselves, there are still those issues there. Now, by the Spirit of God dwelling within us, uh, we can have power over our sinful nature and and uh, but it's there's a sense in which it's still you know well, it's still there as, as an issue that's what you're going to battle with so which means that's life. right and and that's not going to be a comfortable journey i mean we've talked about it too the true self and the false self and it's almost yeah. like as much as you know we've repented and we we're we're, we're christians we started the journey in with god starting to transform us and turn us into who he wants us to be, that process is going to be deeply uncomfortable because it's going to fight against the very nature that we're used to living with and the the need to let go of our own agendas and egos and all of those sorts of things are going to progressively be dealt with. And that's not going to be a a fun process. Well, well, it is. Uh, it's, it's going to be. It's not fun, but but it but actually is an immensely joy. I I, I mean, uh, yeah. there's so much joy in On the, the experience of, of redemption. Yeah. Like, not only have we been redeemed in the sense that we're declared righteous, and but there is a work of redemption at work yep. in us. So, you know, God by His Holy Spirit is dealing with our fallen nature, and that's a process. You know, it's yeah. it's uh, there's the once-off forgiveness, right? But that puts us into a process. God's got his yeah. hand on us. And yeah. he's, and, and, and so this is not, and this is what I want to anticipate the, the objection here that all this feels like we're wallowing in, you know, wallowing in guilt. Mm. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And there's, so it's not about condemnation, but actually there's something fundamentally healthy about recognizing the reality of what is within us. Because actually, the more we face that, the more we marvel at amazing grace, how sweet the sound, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that actually, but for the grace of God, I I would be in a a far worse state. So, this is not about wallowing in, you know, in guilt. It's even in a sense, so for example, there are things, you know, that, that, that that I've done in the past that are wrong and I've been forgiven for. And and mm-hmm. praise God and and my joy is, you know, I, I've I've experienced the joy of grace. But I that doesn't mean that I now say, oh yeah, and and I'm no longer sorry about that anymore. Hang on, well, no, of course I'm still sorry. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so th- th- there is this close relationship uh, in Scripture between the penitential attitude, the, the the sense of sort of sadness over our human condition, and the joy actually of salvation. The joy of salvation. And penitence are actually two sides of the same coin. Yes, we rejoice that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but 
in as much as we do that, we also lament the sin that nailed him there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's the yeah. it's the flip side of the two things. Yeah. And 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 is it just the lament, or if if there's something we can do to put things right, should we? We're forgiven. Yeah, we feel sad about it, but I actually know that I could go and take some action that could actually help bring some level of restitution to whatever it was that I did. Again, as individuals for things that we've personally done, yep. uh, that's, yep. you know, the answer that's is, well, yes, you know, we should Scripture do what we, we can. Yep. Now, sometimes that's never going to be, no, you know, if I harm course. someone, like there's just some things that you can't no, of course. Uh, take away. But if I've stolen now, something and I can go and give it back, I should go and give it back. Yeah, yeah. yeah yes, okay. So uh, I, I'm just anticipating. Oh, I'm not going anywhere in particular with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm just anticipating going back to the, yeah, the sure. issue with the, uh, you know, uh, you know, the colonization of Australia and the issues associated with that. Um, You know, I do think that there are valid, there are valid principles there, but Mm. you're talking about something and this is where it gets complex because it's this, you know, you're talking generations later and, and look, and sometimes it's because of that complexity and because it happens everywhere, people say, well, it happens all over the world. And if, Mm. you know, if Australia, you know, if the British wouldn't have colonized the country, well, the Dutch or the Spanish or someone else would have, but, the problem with that reasoning is that, oh, so then we say, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, yes. it, it becomes yeah. an excuse it's to, bigger not, than us, so yeah, to not throw off responsibility. Yep. And I'm, mm. I'm fundamentally suspicious. To me, abdicating responsibility has never, ever, I just, there's, there's nothing healthy about mm. Now, of course, mm. you know, we, we shouldn't necessarily carry the sort of guilt burden of that. And, and, and there's grace and forgiveness and so mm. forth. And yet there's something really constructive about recognizing, and I would suggest even taking response, taking some level of corporate responsibility uh, for that. And and I guess that's what I want to try to explain, yeah. because mm. that's very counterintuitive to people. Well, I didn't do any. I, well, I've, this got nothing to do with me. I've mm. just moved to this country. I've just, you know, that's generations ago. And and the idea of you know taking responsibility feels like oh we're just wallowing in guilt you know yep. they're hang you know holding us you know this against us and you know how many times do we have to say sorry and you know th- these are the issues that come and, up and but- this is the difficulty with politics because then the political solutions become so complex <laughs> and so what i guess we're saying is we're not necessarily not advocating a political position of how do we take responsibility for those things it's i think with politics as soon as you mention a topic, we all go to our political. It's yeah. it's jumping to fix to the problem, and and actually, it's I would suggest it's not really a fixable yeah. problem. No. It's to be honest, it's it's yeah. not a fixable problem in, so, in this this side of so, heaven. Yeah. So yep. depending on totally. your political standing, you might jump to your political view and, and and dismiss it and actually distance yourself as if it never happened. All right, so you could take a position, say we've got no responsibility. Everyone just needs to get over it, move on. It's not our problem. Or you could jump to another side of politics where you actually go the other way mm. and you actually identify so much mm. with the problem and, and feeling the responsibility that it's not healthy either. You know, in an, at, at that, that That's level. right. There could be an unhealthy expression of that too. That's right. So yep, absolutely. it doesn't matter which way you're coming at it from politics. If you jump straight to the political solution, it is, it, yeah. it's, it's flawed. So we're not... 
We're not sort of advocating a political response to it. I, I, I'm actually, what I'm looking for here is a biblical response. And, and yep. if for, for the, those listeners that still are listening and haven't turned on. No, <laughs> yes. <that's right>. uh, <laughs> like, you know, like, please don't try to preempt uh, no. like where, where we're going here. And, mm-hmm. and I really am sincere. Like, I, I can actually, I feel like I can genuinely say I'm not advocating for, for a political, assault, you know, idea here because I, I am, I'm very indecisive about yeah. the political stuff because of the complexity. Yeah. So I actually genuinely don't know what any political. Let me just yeah. suggest though, and and this is this is the what I think is the is the beginning of a biblical response. I think as human beings, we're all responsible for everything. Now, I'll put out the big statement there. Not you know, I mean, and it's not in the personal like in a personal sort of sense. I'm responsible for for the atrocities happening in Ukraine or something. But it's more that I belong to a humanity and and I share in this human nature. And so I think the disposition to look at these things that are happening, the evils that are happening, I think we've got to be prepared to look at that like we're looking in the mirror. This is my... my, see, See, for me, this has been... And I know it sounds funny, but this has been the most constructive and liberating way to look at these things. Like, you know, I, I you know, talk about reading this, you know, biography of Putin, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I was reading this book and, and it, so this character profile of this guy is a bit of a, you know, very problematic character, right? And I'm reading this book and I'm sensing I have more in common with this guy than I have different. Like, I'm, you know, mm. I mean, I, it's, it was yeah. interesting reading that book because I really felt like – because at first my tendency was to set myself off from – that yep. was my, yep. you know, ah, the evil guy. And, and we tend to like to caricature evil people mm. in a way that they look nothing like us, whereas actually much more constructive for me to look at that and read that book and it's like I'm looking in the mirror – for me to recognise I have more in common with this person than I have different. Mm. I think what you mean There's there. a constructive – there's something constructive there that actually leads to yeah. – that actually in that particular case led to it's a remarkable new level of connection with redemption and grace and so forth, far from wallowing in guilt. Yeah. You know, it leads to this wonderful sense of, oh, man, the grace of God. Like, you know, the, yeah. the, the magnitude of God's redemption and, and because – you know, instead of just, oh, how could anyone be, oh, that's just terrible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that angry kind of approach. Yeah. I have this response, oh, Lord, have mercy on us. Yeah. It's the us. Mm. It, you know, I, I choose rather than set myself off, I choose to identify. Uh, and actually that leads me to a much deeper engagement with, you know, redemption. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's coming back to the root. The root problem, because you're not saying it leads me back to the root problem. If you were, if you became the ruler of a country, you would necessarily behave like Putin. But there's always in all of us the propensity, propensity to Mm. want to control, Mm. uh, even like leave a a a great legacy behind of where you know, like if I restored the, you know, the former glory of the yeah. the motherland or or whatever it is that's how i want to go down in the books of history so there's ego and there's all those all of those things are in us we all tend to try to control situations try to control people we want to we want to be seen a certain way we want to leave certain legacies behind we all mm. want to that's all it's all within us it's all those agendas yeah. are all coming out now it doesn't mean we would necessarily react 
the same way, but yeah. it will re- that will manifest in in different ways. And if we get down to those root, keep yeah. going down further and further to the root problem. Mm. And I think that, that. I think there's the danger, the flip side of that, where so we see, let's just say we see Putin as the bad guy, and we overlook perhaps some really positive things that Putin's done. By the same token, we see someone as the good guy, and we overlook. Yeah, because it yeah, suits right. us yeah. to see them as the good guy, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so let me just—I want to illustrate this yeah, a bit good. more because because that might it, it might for me to talk about redemption in terms of looking in the mirror and that leaving, leading to a redemptive experience. Let me actually give you a concrete example, and this brings us back to my reaction to this book, One Blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Because actually, God did really—it was actually quite powerful uh, for me in my life because. That sense of self-examination, that the compulsion that I felt, and I believe this is what, you know, I think what God wanted from me in my reaction from this, was that I, I recognized that there was this superiority complex that went with this whole colonization thing. That actually I recognized that in myself. I actually this is this was the thing. I actually started to realize I actually share in this multi-generational superiority complex. And it led actually to to incredibly liberating realization, mm-hmm. you know, like facing that because, you know, racism is, is an expression of a super- superiority complex. I mean, this is the, like, I feel quite passionate about the evil of racism, right? I think racism is a terrible, terrible thing. But if I was to go out there and, and you know, rush around, like, looking for these terrible racists out there, actually the Christian way for me to respond is what, it, what is in me that leads to this kind of thing? And the fact is I have found things in me yeah. that are actually the, the cause of – now. Now, I, I haven't engaged in racist behavior, but I certainly share in the root propensity. sin, yeah. the root yeah. propensity, yeah. this kind of multi-generational. And I, I say multi-generational because I feel like in both sides of my family, we, we have carried this superiority complex. And I've I found that in myself, right? Mm-hmm. And and that, by the way, superiority, superiority complex includes moral superiority. Mm. In fact, the, the most serious form of superiority complex that Jesus identified yeah. was the moral superiority mm. complex. Yep. I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this tax collector, yeah. right? I yep. thank you, Lord, that I'm not like those racists. I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like those terrible people, those, those Germans in World War II. Mm. You know, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like those colonists in the early... I mean, come on, mm-hmm. seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are actually, what I discovered mm-hmm. actually is that when I read about these things, I'm looking in the mirror and, and it, it led me to a discovery of something. Now, as soon as I bring that out into the light, I'm free, man. Like I, I mm. you know, I was able to bring that out into the light to confess that to God. And this remarkable thing that I've been able to deal with, now I have actually power over that, I can I can now recognize that in myself and be liberated from it. Yep. It's there in a sense, but I'm also liberated from it. I'm liberated from the entitlement that that comes with. You know, there's there's a oh, it's been a, yeah. a incredibly. Yeah. So I feel bad about that in one sense, like I feel penitential about mm-hmm. that aspect of myself, but that translates directly and at the same time into this sense of joy in the grace of God, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, amazing grace. Like, th- this is for me where, where these lines of reflection actually can lead to wonderfully redemptive experiences. And I think as Christians, we need to model that 
yeah. actually. Yeah. Imagine if we all faced within ourselves the root causes of our of, of how wh- whatever oh. you know. I mean, man, would be a lot slower to judge other people yeah. in terms of yeah. setting. And yeah. I'm talking about judgment there in terms of setting ourselves apart and pointing the finger. We'd be a lot quicker to forgive, yeah. as well. And 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 we would model. You know, it's the Ezra principle, you know, in, in Ezra chapter 9. And, you know, we see Ezra coming back and finding all sorts of terrible things going on in the post-exilic community. Uh, and, you know, and Ezra sits down in the temple courts and he mourns and he repents and he he says, I have sinned, Lord. Like, he doesn't separate himself off. Yeah, not look from at his them. People, even though he's a godly man, you know. This is – there were also biblical practices, actually, that were designed – you know, they would celebrate things in the past, and this is like hundreds of years later. They would remember, like for example, the Feast of Booths, that they were practices that caused them to remember where they had gone wrong in the past. Yeah, I mean, but also to celebrate God's grace. So they were festivals, ce- ultimately celebrating and praising God for His grace. Yeah. But at the same time, they would remember. I mean, you look at um, Psalms like uh, 106. Sorry, you know, uh, where they would confess the sins of the past essentially and they would do it every year and this and still doing it you know thousands of years later it's not that they're making atonement all over over again for the sins of the past but they it's this recognition that's in me i'm looking in the mm-hmm. mirror and and if i remember that then it's it builds in it it, it helps me Awareness. to inoculate yeah. Yeah, myself exactly. in a sense against being against repeating those yes. things. Yep. You see, if I say, oh, I'm nothing like them, uh, those terrible evil people that live back then, how could they do such a thing? I'm guaranteed, actually, I will commit similar things. That's different enough for me to make myself feel self-righteous. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but I'm not going to yeah. actually face those. And, and this, these practices, you know, these festivals were designed actually to cause people to live in a penitential Attitude with respect to their own uh, nature, but to then connect themselves with the power of grace, and and I think these biblical practices model what could be a powerful Christian response. This is where Christians can become powerful leaders in bringing whole nations to repentance, mm. potentially. And I'm not talking about again. Let's push all the political stuff aside, right? Yep. Imagine if we said if we were thought leaders in terms of creating this attitude, this disposition, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy. We need mercy here. And collectively, yeah. you know, recognizing. So, you know, there's a choice that I can make to model what it looks like. I'm not going to set myself off from that evil. I'm actually going to, like Ezra, yeah. I'm going to step into this space yeah. and I'm going to say, Lord, have mercy on us yeah. and become. And, you know, I mean, Ezra's repentance in Ezra chapter nine, you can read about it. This leads to a remarkable revival. revival. Yeah. Yeah. Because all the people start thinking, hang on, Ezra's repenting and he's a godly man. What's going on here? Like, yeah, you know. yeah. and that, I think this is the lens that I was talking about. And I think that's what I find is that we, we get angry so quickly from, because we jump to our politics. Yeah. But it's actually within us. I mean, if you bring an issue up, I'll react to it emotionally because of my, yeah. cause, because of my own po- political views and that. And I think what you're saying, and this is what I've, what I've learned to do, because being angry about things is is just it actually takes you in the oh, it doesn't completely leave. in the wrong yep. path. Yep. So if we put this other viewpoint ahead of it, as you say, this whole sense of this collective responsibility. 
Mm. Maybe not ahead of it because anger is a legitimate. Mm. There's a legitimate, you know, anger when you're confronted the, by evil. It's what you do with it. Like, you could be angry at the the moral issue, but yeah. a lot of people are angry at yes. the politics. Mm. You know, I think it's okay to get angry. It's it's just what we do, do with, with that. Anger. I mean, we're so, mm. I. I feel like we're a very angry culture. Like yeah. everyone's getting angry against everyone, against the other side, right? And and yes, it is political, but I think it's also there's this sort of moral anger. You know, we've essentially created a shame culture again yes. in, in our time through you know yeah. it's the, the whole cancel culture thing mm. is based on this sort of moral anger. Everyone's sort of morally angry at everyone else, and so we've got this situation where I believe now we're as moralistic as a society, as every bit as we were, you know, in the Victorian era or whatever. We're just moralistically, you know, we're constantly in a state of indignant, moral indignance uh, about just slightly different issues. Yeah, But isn't this the core problem is that if you look at society now, we're all trying to polarise between who's the victim and who's the perpetrator. And it doesn't matter what, take any issue in society – there is there's someone who's oppressing someone else and we're trying to expose the oppressors and cancel the oppressors yeah. and, and, and lift up the, the the victims. And that's, I'm not, again, I'm just qualified because I don't want to oversimplify that, but no. like generally, yep. yeah. there's that. And we're all going around doing that. Blame we're polarizing. Yeah. We're trying to divide up society and say, these are people here. Mm-hmm. They're the bad guys. They're the good guys. We're, we're relentlessly trying to figure out who are the bad guys and who are the good guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if, Go back to what you're saying, Matt, is that that viewpoint that you've just outlined, which is the Christian worldview, basically takes a lot of the sting out of that because there's still good and bad, but it means that we're less likely. Oh, there's still good and bad, but there's not good and bad people. <laughs> we're not. That's right. We're not. We don't become so obsessed with trying to figure out who are the good people and who are the bad yeah. people. You know, it's kind of like there's a lot more emphasis on that shared sense of we're all bad. Yeah, and, and there's a sense, and this is, uh, you know, the, the issue comes up because there's a sense, you know, that there's something has gone wrong, you know, and, yeah. and that there is a sense that I, I believe people do have a sense of collective responsibility for something. There's a human intuition of that. I think it's fundamentally human. Yeah. Now, are we as Christians, see, what message are we going to bring as Christians? Are we going to say, and honestly, this is the thing that wor- that concerns me. I'm going to say, oh, no, 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 it's fine. No, no, it's not our fault. No, when I mean, and and of course there are elements of you know mm. there, there are always elements of truth. But are we going to lead people in the abdication of responsibility? Really, yeah, in right. the abdication mm. of responsibility? Are we going to say, oh no, it's not our responsibility? It's not you know. Actually, there's a wonderful conversation that we can. There's an opportunity here in our culture to bring the gospel to bear in a really powerful way. Because we we yes we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory. yes we all have. Mm. We, we we're in a sense we are all responsible uh, for for everything in a sense we all share in this same thing but hey th- there's there is an opportunity here to point to a pathway of redemption and it begins with repentance there is an opportunity God has granted us repentance unto Christ we have an opportunity let's go to God together and say Lord have mercy on us have mercy on us. And that will lead us, actually, to a remarkable experience of redemption. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Thrive Perspectives. Our hope is that these discussions will challenge you to look at life from a new perspective. You'll find all our resources at the Thrive Today website, thrivetoday.tv. If there's a topic that you'd like us to discuss, please email us. 
Our email is contact at thrivetoday.tv. Until next time, our prayer is that you will thrive.